I'm back. Isn't that nice? Um, welcome to the fourth episode of Bring It to the Table, a podcast where we like to surprise each other in ways that only we can imagine. Um, I rather enjoyed listening to the episode, I'm going to say last week, um, the last week that it was recorded anyway. Uh, we've been away for a couple of weeks, but we've managed to bring it back. Um, Michael, Scott, how are we this evening? I'm doing very well, thank you. Very well. It's, uh, it's been great weather, actually, but it's been a bit mental as well at home and emotions running high uh but apart from that it's been good thank you cool so michael's been worshiping the sun god and feeling better about it scott uh yeah it's been good as michael said it's uh it's been very warm uh i cut the grass at around about nine quarter past nine on a sunday morning and i got majorly burnt uh i I was only in it for 40 minutes so i'm living up to my traditional (laughs) uh scottish skin and uh not feeling well in this weather. After you had cut the grass, did you um, use your sprinkle afterwards? <laughs> Unfortunately not, no, because I had to go out after it, so... I have to say, that sprinkler is awesome. Yes! So good, isn't it? I picked I picked mine up at the beginning of the week, and it is so good. Sorry, I didn't realise I was doing a podcast with my two dads here. I, I honestly was if you like even just Google sprinklers you would be amazed at the world of sprinklers that there is unreal. I yeah. I don't have a garden. I have literally no reason to get a sprinkler apart from to like water damage my own home. <laughs> um you may be conspicuously aware of the fact that uh, Gilbert is not here tonight. Um Gilbert hosted the last episode and was so good at it that I felt threatened and I've decided to ban him from the episode tonight. Um it also might be the case that he has another commitment, but that's by the by. Um so Gilbert have a lovely week off, and uh, we'll see you next time. Um, speaking of Gilbert, Michael, would you like to do your question first tonight? <laughs> that was a transition, wasn't was, it? You can tell I'm a, a little rusty. That was a horrible transition. Yeah. I need to work in those. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I have a, a fun question, which will hopefully get you thinking a little bit more than what we normally talk about. But my question this week is, is there a sport that you hate playing but like watching or let me rephrase that is there a sport that you do not participate in or would not like to participate in but enjoy watching and if so what is it and why Ooh, that's a good one it's also a difficult one because i am not a big fan of sports but the sports that i do like um, I get very invested in them to the point where I have participated in them to some extent. So the the three the three main sports I like I like ice hockey. I play ice hockey. Well, played ice hockey, playing ice hockey. I like golf. I've played golf, and I like motor racing. And I'm not I'm not a motor racer, but I have done sim racing, so that's quite cool. Um, I don't. Mm, I'm trying to think of other other sports. There's I mean there's football. The World Cup's on. I, I think England won last night. Uh, from what I understand, Germany aren't in it anymore, which apparently is a shock. Um, gosh, other sports. Scott, do you have an answer? Because I'm struggling. Yeah, so I, I'm. Yeah, so sports that I don't like to play, but I like watching. Correct. Could all sports be an answer? Uh, if you enjoy watching all sports but don't enjoy participating in sports, then sure. Uh, well, that's a lie. I used to play a lot of basketball when I was younger, like train three times a week in games at the weekend, but uh, I don't do that now. 
but I, I do still love to watch basketball. Oh, I, I watch a lot of sport, much to Holly's disgust. But <laughs> I think when we renewed our contract with Virgin, they're like, "Yeah, like eighty percent of your viewing is uh, on BT Sport." I was like, "Yep, that sounds about right." <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I watch, I'm currently watching the football. You know, uh, it's off tonight, which is why I could commit to this. So uh, that was fine. Or else he's all would have been booted out the the slot tonight. Booted out. Hey! Hey! First pun in the evening. Uh, I watch Formula One, and like I love the Olympics as well. Like all the different sports in there, like glued to it twenty four seven. Like that's it. That's it. It's athletics. That's what I like to watch. That I hate doing is that I forgot that athletics was even a thing. So yeah, you say in the Olympics. I've just disrespected a couple of thousand people there who I, and some national treasures while I'm at it. But uh, you know what, Chris Hoy, get a real vehicle. Um, yeah. Chris Hoy isn't athletics, though. That's cycling. Cycling's, cycling's just running, but there's something under your butt. Tell me I'm wrong. Wow. Okay, now you have offended more people. <laughs> also, it's, exact, it's almost the exact same motion. Like, if you, like, go look at Bugs Bunny, right? Take Bugs Bunny, lift him six inches off the ground and draw a bicycle underneath him. What's he doing? He's cycling. I'm not saying that, that Chris Hoy is Bugs Bunny. That's not the comparison I'm drawing here. This is, this is really falling apart. Um, right, let me get back on track. So, get back on track. Athletics, hey, second part of the oh, evening. There we go. Oh, we're doing well tonight. We we're need to get, well like, tonight. a bell or something. Ding, ding, ding. Yeah, that's it. We'll have, <laughs> we'll have we'll have the pun Last bell. minute. We'll have the pun gun. We'll just hear a gunshot every time because that's another. <laughs> no, I'm not gonna say that. Um, <laughs> woo, three minutes. I should not have had that espresso before I started. Um, so yeah, athletics. Uh, I'm gonna start with an early memory of athletics, and it, and it goes back to. Uh, have I told you the sports day story? Have I told that in the podcast before? My PT sports day. No, no, I don't think so. So my early introduction to sport uh, was in uh, the context of a primary school sports day uh, where we had um, quote-unquote sports uh, in, that in, had names like Spot the Dog um, where you would run approximately five and a half metres um, colour in a spot on a black and white printout of Spot the Dog not because it was black and white but because that's the only printer we had it being the mid-90s and then you would run back and tag your partner and you won whenever you'd coloured in the dog. Uh, so that was sport. Um, but one of the other activities was a Wellington throw, which is kind of like a shot put, I guess, or a, or a, or a hammer throw, except with a Wellington boot. And uh, I was not particularly well versed in um, fine motor skills as a young child. So whenever I attempted to throw said Wellington boot, rather than throw it forwards into the very generously wide um, scoring area to measure how far I threw it, it went approximately 50 degrees east um, in the direction of and incredibly directly into uh, a pram uh, in which was a uh, lady's uh, baby child. Um, and the reason I knew I'd hit it was because it did start crying. Um, and whenever uh, the lady went to remove her baby from the pram, she had to remove the Wellington boot obstructing it first. Um, <laughs> so... <laughs> So, you're going nowhere near my child when it's born ever and not with a wellington bit anyway um so anyway that's my first memory of sport i'm just gonna let you 
sit on that for a bit while I tell you the next story. So in fast forward to high school, Lewis has grown a little bit. Uh, he's, I was about to say he's not uh, in the perimeter of any children, but I guess I was in high school, so I was in the perimeter of only children. Um, and we were doing the 800 meters. Now, our 800 meters was, uh, let me calculate this, three and a half laps of a 233 meter track uh, because it was a 800 foot track i think or however it works out um or something anyway it was it was a metric imperial nightmare um and i remember running on it and it got near the end and of course as all teenage boys are want to do you sprint the last bit because the last bit's the most important um except what i didn't realize was that the people in my group were performing a rather elaborate prank on me um so as they started to sprint down the final straight so did i and I wasn't particularly uh, high in stamina. So wherever I got to the end of the sprint, I kind of leaned back and you no know, breathing hard, not realizing that we still had one more lap to go. And all the other more athletic children had decided to sprint one lap early to confuse me. Um, so that probably factored into how much I hated athletics. And I've just never gotten the point in it. Um, there was the Edinburgh Ironman on uh, at the weekend. And an Ironman is, from what I can tell, a half marathon, half swimming, half cycling and half self-flagellation. Um, and as part of it, there was a long road race. And as all road races are on a road, they had to pick a route. The route they decided to pick not only uh, chopped up a part of my journey home, they decided to run it through one of the worst known bottlenecks in the Scottish road system, which is Sheriff Hall Roundabout. Um, so there's a three lane roundabout, which leads on to six A roads. They shut one of the lanes of the roundabout, thereby reducing it to a two lane nightmare where people tried to navigate their way left and right. And then as a result of that, there was a car accident, which reduced the three lane roundabout to a one lane roundabout. And what lane was it? The inside lane, the one not connected to any junctions. So it took me an hour and a half to go a mile and a half. And that made me hate athletics even more. So you know what? Usain Bolt, he's really quick and he's fun to watch and he does good adverts for Virgin. Athletics, I don't like doing it. I'll never do it. It's never going to be anything that I ever enjoy. And I would be happy enough if they just tarmacked it all over. <laughs> You're welcome. I didn't, I didn't have an answer and I did. That was the question. Sports that you don't like the playing, but you like watching. Oh, I love watching it. Watching other people runs great because it's really impressive. You just don't like participating in it. As not, and I don't like other people participating in it near me. <laughs> so, okay. I'll, Scott, please. I, I think the heat's got to lose. So I'm going to skip over that because I don't want to get into an argument with him. But anyway, <laughs> that's fine. Uh, yeah, I, I just, I, I unfortunately don't do any sports. Um yeah, I'm, I'm quite lazy. I do have the exercise bike, but I've failed to get on that. I was doing pretty well at the start of the year, but failed miserably now. Uh, so, but I hate watching cycling. I'm not, a Tour de France is all right, but it's, uh, yeah, I wouldn't say it's my favourite sport. Enjoy motorsport, but yeah, not cycling. What about you, Michael? So, the reason why I ask this is I would love to do, like, Formula One driving. But sadly, I'm of the height of six foot six, and they don't make motorsport cars for uh, extremely tall people, which makes things a little bit more challenging. But I enjoy watching Formula One, so that'd be one. One thing that I hate playing and I've never gotten into, and that's maybe because I'm just rubbish at it, I'm a big wimp, but I don't enjoy playing rugby, but I really enjoy watching it. So for me, that's one of the sports that I don't like 
I wouldn't play it, I wouldn't choose to participate in it, but I enjoy watching rugby when it's on. But I I quite like most sports. I wish you could play them. I can't. Um, but I just thought it was a really interesting question to ask because I know people, for instance, Charlotte is loving the World Cup, Scott. You would be loving the amount of football that Charlotte is watching. I personally can't stand it. Like, I, I don't get me wrong, I think it's good. I get really frustrated really easily when these professional players, I'm doing air quotes here, professional players fall over like complete and utter wimps. And I'm Neymar. like... I'm just like, you are playing for your country as a pro player, and yet you do stuff like that. And I just lose respect for that part. And so I really hate football. But, you know, when the World Cup's on, I can understand why. But a lot of people enjoy watching the World Cup, but don't enjoy playing football. I just I thought it was just an interesting concept, as it were. So that was my question. Thanks, Lewis, for your really insightful childhood stories around <laughs> hurting babies and being bullied. However, uh, thanks for answering the question in a really, really big roundabout way, like Sheriff Hall. And uh, <laughs> we're going to pass this question on unless anyone else has got anything else to say about the question. Lewis, let's go. I, um, I just wanted to, to touch a little bit on the, on the football thing. So I was watching, um, I was definitely watching highlights because the match was on when I was working. So I definitely wasn't watching it then. Um, but it was uh, Neymar's Brazilian, isn't he? Yes. Yeah. And there was one bit where the ball was sitting between his shins and whoever they were playing, somebody bent down and picked the ball up. And somehow by picking the ball up, they'd broken Neymar's ankle and he rolled about like he'd been shot. And all of us just laughed, uh, not in the office, in my living room. Uh, and just kind of, it, it was, it was so theatric and they showed multiple replays of, and the guy just picked the ball up and oh I was just saying being such a baby about it like this baby's got actually hit by Wellington boots cried less than that <laughs> and uh, and uh, and I just thought there should be like I'm trying to imagine a, 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 an analogy in another sport like where you would waste time in such an obviously fake way and yet there was zero repercussion you know, like there was, I think, eight minutes left in the game and there were two goals up. If it was up to me, I would have just let the other team play on an empty pitch for eight minutes. Like, cool, you waste eight minutes for our time, they can have eight minutes back. Um, I know they have injury time, but it was nowhere near as as uh, correct. And I think that's what turns me off to football because football, I think, has a, the capacity to be a really great sport. It's just that the times that I've watched it, it's half kind of this ticky-tacka stuff and half falling over and crying and it's like there's no respect in it and i can't watch like the great thing about sports people is that they're people to admire for their ability neymar is wonderful at like kicking it and like running and all that stuff but then he does that and it just makes me lose complete respect and i can't look up to and appreciate the skills of someone who behaves in that way and i think it's really damaging because as a potential um emotional investor in that sport they've not engaged me and i'm sure i'm not the only one you know so Neymar, if you're listening, first of all, thank you for listening. But second of all, wise up, young man. Yeah. I think we should uh, pass the next question, or we should receive the next question from Scott, because he said he was really well prepared tonight. So I think oh. we'll uh, send it Scott's way. Yeah, I like that. 
Uh, okay, this is... Uh, I think this will work for us. I think we all quite like our films. What is your number one favourite gangster film? Ooh. Number one favourite gangster film. Hmm. I'm, I'm assuming Fahrenheit 9-11 doesn't count as a gangster film. Possibly not, no. I'll, I'll leave the interpretation up to yourself, but that I would not class as a gangster film list. Well, what about Who Framed Roger Rabbit? That's technically a gangster film. Uh, here he goes. Sorry, I'm just in one of those moods today. It's because I've yeah. missed talking to y'all so much. And Whoa. haven't we missed it? Are you from Southern America? Hey, y'all. Yeah, uh, I'm trying to... This is the part where I now try and think of gangster films that I've watched and realise that they they don't come readily to mind. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking as well. Because there's Godfather, but that's obvious. You can't say that. Um, ooh, oh, that's, that's not really a gangster. I was going to say Baby Driver, but that's not really... That's a gang film. Scott wants I, to pick that, obviously, so... No, 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 yeah. I don't want to pick that. Yeah. I kind of... Do you know, I do kind of want to say, uh, I, I want to say Baby Driver, but it's also really recent. I know that anybody who's ever been into films is going to go, oh, he's picked it like a recent blockbuster. Uh, um, but it was a very good film. I won't deny it. Uh, it was. Do you know, I, I am. I'm going to say Baby Driver. Okay. That's and interesting. It's not a gangster film in the terms of they go, <laughs> and like shoot a Tommy gun at you, <laughs> uh, which are the two things that all gangster films have to do. Uh, but... It was, it was, it's, so for those of you who haven't seen Baby Driver, it is a film about a gang. And I would classify a member of a gang as a gangster. The film was about the gang. That's about gangsters. It's a gangster film. Um, and, and it's got John Hamm in it, which is just brilliant. Um, and Kevin Spacey, which is topical. Um, but it's, it's good in that there's, there's subtext to it. So it manages to use the framing of this, uh, this gang um, as a device for for showing their personality flaws because I think it is it's it's inherently a film about flaws it's about the things that make people not work um, and then how that kind of adds up to to be the ultimate demise and that's not really a spoiler that's just kind of how all films work it either ends really nice or ends really bad um, but the thing I loved and loved 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 about it was the sound design oh the sound design in that film is amazing so they have got this really great um like 80s rock soundtrack uh and it's got like simon garfunkel and it's got queen um and some other bands whose name has escaped me but if you're not listening to the soundtrack go listen to it it's really good but the sound effects are all timed to the music so the gunshots go off in time with the snare drum and the gear shifts are done on the beat and it's just little things like that and also if you watch the film the first time you'll hear it but if you watch the film a second time, you'll see it. And what I mean by that is there is an opening montage where Baby, the titular character, is walking through the city and he's singing along to the music while he's miming along to the music. And you're that focused on what he's doing because he's moving in this very melodic, beautiful way. And it kind of enraptures you and you're listening to the music and you're putting it together. I did not notice at all the fact that the lyrics appeared on random bits of scenery. So there was a poster up that had three words from a verse on it. There was a graffiti with another couple of words. And you can actually follow the lyrics all throughout his dancing. And I didn't notice that the first time. And it just goes to show how encapsulating the choreography and music was that I was just so blind to the background 
you know so that's a i i just think baby driver awesome gangster film i think i agree with that um it's not one of the ones i'm gonna pick but i agree with that and i think what's really nice about that movie especially the opening sequence and you can correct me if i'm wrong but i think the majority of it was done in one take so it's like which is really alien for movies because the most that you tend to have a scene in front of you is for no more than like sort of four seconds and then after that four seconds you start to feel a little bit uncomfortable being like oh wait this is lasting a little bit longer than four seconds but you don't even notice that it's all done in sort of one transition or one take as it were um, yeah. which I really enjoy. I really like those little bits, but I agree with the lyrics. Um, the framing, sorry, the framing on that that one take is super tight as well because yeah. it keeps the same, like if you imagine the the lady or man going along on the dolly, framing that scene and they're turning corners and they're going behind objects and the whole time, Baby doesn't like dive in and out of the frame. He's always the same size. It's always really well ratioed and like that's just a stunning bit of videography as well. Good bit of camera work. Um, but anyway, I'm done with Baby Driver. On you go. Uh, I would say it's more a film. I think the film is actually about music itself and not flaws. But anyway, that's a discussion we could have another day. Yeah. Um, so I don't watch a lot of gangster films, I would say. Um, and when you first poised the question, Godfather definitely comes into mind. I've seen... I'm sure... I've seen all the first one. Whether I've seen the second third one, I'm not entirely sure because they're super long. Um, but the movie that actually springs to mind every time that someone says a gangster movie, and I don't know why, I think I probably just watched it so much as a child, was Bugsy Malone, where they swap Tommy guns with the cream pies. <laughs> it's just, I don't know why. I know it's like, I know you're looking for this like really like adult gangster movie, and I'm just coming on with this musical like kids gangster movie where they swap these tommy guns with cream pies but i that's what i first thought of when uh you first said that uh topic <laughs> did, uh, did you ever do the radio play version in primary school oh no. yeah oh my god that was terrible yeah you got the little book and there was the tape and the tape had uh, a tape for those of you who don't know it's kind of like a cd but with uh, like windy magnetic stuff in it and one side had no it wasn't sides uh it would play the track with the singing and then it would have an instrumental version of the track so you would practice as a class along with oh, yeah. the the one with the words and then they would play the one without the words but yeah i remember i didn't have a very good role in it um which continued into my acting career in primary school as I was cast as rat number five in Pipe Piper Hamlin. But, yeah. I feel, I feel this podcast is just like uh, a memory, a walk down memory lane for Lewis and primary school. I feel no, this, this is where it's all about. <laughs> yeah, do you need and, I do need a hug. All my neuroses are coming to the fore now. <laughs> Scott, what's your answer? Uh, yeah, so I was, the whole reason this came up was just that uh, I was reading an article the other day about how there's no, like, you know, no good movies like they used to make them kind of thing, uh, which was inspired by the whole La La Land thing that came out a couple of years ago. Uh, and I was just like, oh yeah, I haven't actually watched really a good, proper modern day gangster film. Like, not one that's obviously in the 80s and 90s, there's Godfather. Um, but I think if I had to pick one, it would have to be Goodfellas. Uh, I think for me, I think it's more what I would class as authentic gangster film rather than The Godfather. 
I think the Godfather is a, a bit more of a, a dreamt up scenario of what people think gangsters actually are, but all coming <laughs> from Italy and whatnot. But, uh, but yeah, just curious, it's not really a film genre I'm into, but I know it's like one that is hyped everywhere. And obviously, as we've all said, that as soon as you talk about gangster films, Godfather is there. Uh, I particularly didn't like it, actually, if, if I'm honest. Uh, I did think it was good by the time I watched it. I only watched it in the last year, I think, anyway. Um, but yeah, I didn't think it was actually a good film. Has anybody watched Boardwalk Empire? I have not, no, but it is on my list. I would, if you're willing to classify uh, 60 hours of television as a film, I would say that Boardwalk Empire is the best gangster movie. But that's like, I just like Steve Buscemi, um, which plays into it as well. Um, Wonderful actor. Uh, And I just, uh, I, I don't know, I think with... All movies suffer from the same limitation of the art form, which is that you have just long enough to develop a plot, but not long enough to really make me invest in it. Whereas Boardwalk Empire, the nature of gang work in the way that it's portrayed is that at any given moment, anybody's life's on the line and anything can go wrong. And if you give me an hour and a half, two hours with a character, yeah, if they get shot at the end, I was kind of half expecting it. But if you give me a couple of seasons with a character and then I don't know where they're dead, you know, that's got to hit you harder. So if you've not watched Warwick Empire, there's, I think there's five seasons of it now and they're doing a final sixth or there is four and they're doing a final fifth. I can't remember which, um, but it's very, very good. I do recommend it. Yeah, it's the age of a TV series at the moment, isn't it? There's just so many good ones. Yeah, it's a Netflix effect. You know, people... It, it, this is kind of getting onto another topic, but people, I think, are more... If you say to somebody, hey, sit and watch this, like two hour long film people go oh i've not got two hours but they'll happily watch six episodes of a tv show back to back um i guess because it's compartmentalized and it feels like less um i guess it's like um what's it called circuit training if you tell somebody to do an hour of the same exercise it'll seem really tedious but if you send them on a one hour circuit they'll love it because it's 12 different things um yeah but it is it's the age of tv isn't it and uh well not the age of tv the age of screen with 40 minute shows because i'm think i read and i can't confirm this but i think i read that more people watch netflix not on a tv than on a tv wow. uh, i i either go through mobile devices like laptops or phones or ipads as opposed to things like set-top boxes and games consoles and um, which i could totally believe that that's something that people do um but i personally like a tv i think tvs can be good nothing wrong with a good tv what is your question this week uh, so my question, I have the luxury of getting two questions this week because not only do I have my question, uh, but my uh, good friend Gil, um, just before he, he whizzed off for the evening, sent me his question over. Um, so Gil's not so much bringing something to the table this week as like pre-ordering fast food and getting it delivered to the table. Um, so his one is, was there ever something that you didn't like but then along came one example of that thing that changed your view for that single exception. So basically, was there ever like a category or a thing that you definitely didn't like? And then there was one subset of that that you actually did like. I feel this is very similar to a question that he's asked in the past about, you know, having opinions, your opinion or your, yeah, your own personal opinion being changed, which I feel is very similar. 
Yeah, I guess this is less your opinion being changed. Yeah, this is more of, I guess, an internal change or an exceptional change as opposed to a rote kind of influence or or something. So, um, and to be fair, just the reason why I'm not coming in straight with an answer is whenever he sent me this, I copy and pasted it into a note and then shut the note and didn't actually read it. So I didn't know what the question was going to be either until I read it, which was interesting. Um, I mean, do humans count? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> well yeah but i think that's probably for you an ongoing thing mm, this is true i mean I, I'm, I'm coming back to art here like i'm not a big art fan i would not go to for example a portrait gallery for fun i would go around it if there's something notable there or something to see um but that being said for some completely undefinable reason i do like um modern art and like abstract and impressionist art so for example i could spend hours going around the tape modern absolutely could and i'd be looking at weird stuff like a slab of red or like a, a mondran painting with the compositions in red yellow and blue or like a giant 60 foot acrylic baby that's designed to kind of freak you out even though it's meant to be wonderful and natural um, and I guess that's something that reformed my opinion on art. I, I respect art as a as a talent. I really do. Um, but I think it is something that has, and this is just my personal opinion. I'm kind of amplifying it for the point of discussion before any artists get mad. Um, but it's something that shouldn't transcend transcend time in the way that it has. And the example I'm going to give you is landscape paintings, these beautiful fine art landscape paintings, okay? You can go to an art gallery and there'll be a big 30-foot canvas with an immaculate painting of a landscape that it looks photoreal. I don't get the point of that. Like, it's a wonderful display of skill. I get it. Like, it took somebody thousands of hours of practice, maybe tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, and it took them a great amount of time to make it. But... I don't understand why that's valuable. In a time before cameras, totally understand. Because if you wanted to portray to somebody, hey, I've got this amazing view at my house. Do you want to come see it? Oh, no, I live 400 miles away. Oh, great. I'll paint it for you. Like, that makes sense. But in an age where I can snap a photo and send it halfway around the world, and about the time it takes me to blink, I don't see the value in those, like, fine art paintings. And it's the same with portraits. Like, old fine art portraits. Like, they're really great examples of skill, and they show us what somebody looked like. But I would argue that they're completely redundant now. Like, how many people that you know have had their portrait painted that could afford it? Like, that was a thing that happened all the time before. And now we just take a selfie or we take a photograph because it's easier. So, like, I just don't get art in that respect. And I've never really gotten it. I've never seen the value in it. Um, Same with sculptures. Like, I appreciate the skill, but I don't understand why, like, Michelangelo's David is important. Because it's just like, hey, you made a guy out of marble. That's really cool. Um, But I don't get it. Whereas, I don't know, there's just something about abstract art in that it knows it doesn't have a purpose. Like, it knows it's not trying to do something. And I think that's why I like it. Because I can just go look at, like, uh, there's a, I don't know what it's called. But there's, like, this great big, it must be, like, three meters tall and, like, two meters wide. And it's just loads of different colored bits of acrylic, like, translucent acrylic, stuck at different angles and different distances from the wall in the Tate Modern. And you look at it and you're like, I don't know what I'm looking at. And then you move to the side a little bit and different colors overlap with each other. And you're like, huh, it looks different. And then you move around a bit and it's interactive and like, it's just neat to look at. I think that's where the value of art is, is that you are just looking at something and appreciating it for what it is. It is this rectangle that's meant to intrigue you. 
I guess that's why I like modern art, and I guess that's my exception. I only discovered modern art when I was like 15 and first went into the Tate Modern and was like, huh, this stuff's pretty cool. I've heard about it and I've heard of it make fun of it. So yeah, I guess that's my example. On the whole, I'm not into art, but modern art, yeah, I got a lot of time for it. So that's probably not the kind of answer he was looking for, but uh, it's the answer I'm going to give. So gentlemen, as I hope that's inspired you in some way or not. I could tell more <laughs> stories about when I injured children. I think that's another podcast where you can tell us more about your childhood memories. Of well, bring, bring it to the operating table. <laughs> like a uh, example of when I was really against something and then it turned out to be, I really liked it. But at school, I didn't really enjoy playing violin because I was distracted by too many other cool instruments and music technology as a whole. So I would, I would constantly be playing drums, be learning guitar, and spending a lot of time in the recording studio and learning how to, you know, put tracks down, record other people, record instruments, miking, everything like that. I loved it. I thrived off it. And violin at that point, because I started it when I was 10, I was kind of like, well, I don't really enjoy it. And it probably didn't help that I had some arrogant beep in my uh, class <laughs> who was really good at violin and was extremely arrogant about it. And that kind of put me off. But then when I went to uni and started playing in a Cayley band, I actually enjoyed playing fiddle again. Now, some will say that classical violin is different from Scottish fiddle, and I get that. But I was I was against playing violin. I didn't really class it as an instrument that I would play. I wouldn't take enjoyment from it. But actually, playing fiddle in a Cayley band, I actually thoroughly enjoy. And that kind of flipped things on its head because I was really against it before. I just didn't, I wasn't interested. Whether that really fits the question or not because I wasn't interested and now I am. But I think that's probably the closest thing that I could come to apart from seeing my sisters or whatever. But um, that's one thing that I've been dead against and then had my opinion changed about, I guess. That's interesting because I know, including you, I know four people who have played the violin and every one of them has stopped playing it because they said they stopped enjoying it. And you're the only one that then said, but I found it again. Yeah. And I think at high school, a lot of it was down to, we were playing in a fiddle group, not a Cayley band. And then we were also playing orchestral music. And now don't get me wrong, orchestral music is wonderful. I really enjoy listening to it. I love seeing, I take great appreciation of how much time it takes to become a fantastic musician. I am not a classical violinist. I will never be a classical violinist. And the great thing with Kaylee is that you can get away with hitting bum notes and things like that. But I really enjoy playing in a band and playing music with those people. And it wasn't really something that I thought I would actually spend my time doing. I thought when I was at school and going off to uni, I thought, oh, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to play in lots of cover bands. I'm going to do recording and things like that. But actually, the thing that's kept me going and enjoyed the most and actually gave me extra pocket money is playing in a Cayley band which is the polar opposite of what I enjoyed at school so more uh, less a dago for strings and more devil went down to Georgia yeah pretty much nice I like it thanks thanks for your <laughs> wonderful words there Dave Matthews R.I.P. in peace Scott ah uh, yeah it's uh I guess the f- the first thing that jumped into my mind was possibly reading, or reading books, not, not just mm. reading in general. Uh, if, if you couldn't read, I would struggle <laughs> to get along in life. But, um, 
but yeah, I, when I was younger, uh, I was at the the age when Harry Potter first started to go crazy with the books, and I tried so hard to read the first book, and I just couldn't do it. I just found it so boring and this, you know, this kind of myst- mystical world that didn't actually exist. And I was like, well, why am I reading about something that doesn't actually exist? Uh, and then about 10, 15 years later, the same thing happened with Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones got popular, I ordered the first three books and I couldn't even make it through the first one again because it was just terrible. And I know some people say they aren't great books and they're Correct. difficult books to get started with anyway, so you know that's not good. Yep. But again, when it comes to like you know the, the productivity books, I read 12 last year and I've never done that before. Uh, and every month I order like two books from Amazon. Nerd. Was one of those uh, productivity books the OmniFocus 3 user guide? Ah. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I don't think user guides count as books to read, like novels. So yeah, so again, like that, it's odd because I read a lot of stuff online, but there's something about like that sitting down with a book that I now really enjoy that I didn't before, um, and it has to be a specific type of book. I still file can't facts. read. <laughs> I still Scott can't... just reads his file of facts from last year and remembers good times. Yeah, I uh, I still can't read, you know, fiction books or anything like that, but. Um, if there is a certain style of book that I like, it's certainly, you know, I didn't think I could ever read 12 books in my lifetime, never mind in a year, uh, and I just done it breeze last year uh, and continuing it this year, which is, yeah, just something that I never thought I would do and I did just really just hate. Um, I always thought, you know, like reading should be done on an iPad and on a book and all this and yeah, now I enjoy just sitting back with a book sometimes. I think to answer your question for you, from my opinion, and I think Liz will probably agree, is gaming and switch because you were yep, really that's what i would have said at all like you were and and it's funny because you still don't get youtube whereas well, we we so, do and i think i think you will start getting into youtube a lot more now that you've started on this uh <sighs> your see i used to journey. do a lot of gaming when i was younger i had 3ds psp went back even further i had the original nintendo game boy i had n64 i had playstation 1 playstation 2 playstation 3 now be careful here because if you say you grew out of it i will fight you no it's not that i grew out of it but obviously my music took a much bigger interest in my life and if it was like you know back then as well like let's remember online gaming was non-existent so you know if it was just me in my room playing fifa because my sister wanted to play Nintendogs, like, I'd rather pick up my guitar. <laughs> like, you know, it's, it's no question doubt, the much better, kind of, there's only so much you can, you can only go up to, like, professional on FIFA, and after that, it gets boring if you keep winning all the games. Um, and let's be honest, games back then weren't as good as they are now. Um, they've advanced so much in the last, even the last five years, I would say. Um, I think the yeah. first game that done it for me was Uncharted. Um when I kind of got back into gaming briefly on the PS3, that was just like, that to me was like a film and a game all in one. Like it was just amazing. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, I'm kind of getting back into it again now. Uh, yeah. Fallout 3 was my, that. I think that game, I think that game's going to be 10 years old next year. I remember Fallout 3 for me was like a, a pivotal moment and like, wow, this is what games can be because it was this long, sprawling, like, amazingly fun and like the expansions were so cool because one of the expansion packs put you on a freaking alien ship and it was just like cool why not let's just break the meta um so yeah i can get what you mean it's kind of like seven moments but yeah i think uh, michael's right like 
the switch i think for you has been a a big moment like you and i both went and sat waited at half six for the rocket launch in Fortnite, and i can't remember the last time i went online with friends i think it was the launch of gta online in 2013 was the last time i went online with friends at a specific time to accomplish a specific thing so welcome to the club boy nerd yeah also nerd. anyone who wants to fight us on Fortnite, bring it yeah bring it <laughs> we've gotten third before what do you think about that <laughs> yeah I feel like I'm the bad luck charm in this because we have never got that far on any of the duos that I've paired up with. So I think so. I think the the duos to decide the pro and this is a Fortnite right now. The reason you I think you think you're a bad luck charm is because if the three of us play together, we have to play squads of four, which means that there's a random in there who we can't communicate with, and where we're playing against actual squads of four, we're going to get annihilated. So what we need is we need to get guild by a switch. Correct. And also Michael to buy Switch. And also Michael to buy Switch. Yeah. I can play on my Xbox. I can play with you guys on Xbox. Mm. Yeah, yeah, but you can't can play take... Xbox with a baby. Yeah. That's true. Or on the toilet. That's true. Yep. Yep. Or in bed. Or in bed. So, Lewis, what is your question? So, I have a brief bit of follow-up before we do your question. So, on last week's episode... Um, when you were in Portugal. When I was in Portugal, you guys all asked, what would be your dream car? And you all said a Tesla, which means that you're all wrong. Uh, <laughs> oh, and I, God, and I took goes. exception to that. So I'm gonna let's do it. Let's do a, a a radio version of putting up hands. Please whistle if you've owned an electric car. <whistles> that was me whistling. So I'm the only person here who has owned an electric car. That and let me tell like, you, uh, that sounded like the text tone from when you bought a Samsung. <laughs> <laughs> um. <laughs> so there's. The, the Tesla is an amazing car. Don't get me wrong. It is an amazing car. But what you... Right, imagine... Have any of you ever tried to deal with your local council to do anything ever? Right? Imagine if your local council owned the petrol station, but they only had 10 of them in the whole council area, but they could only afford to maintain two of them, and one of them was in the council offices where you were not allowed to park. That's what owning an electric car is like. There starts off with two chargers, then that breaks, and the council don't have enough money to fix it, so you have to go to one further. Don't roll your eyes. I'm telling you, I'm saving you money. I'm saving you, like, $90,000 here, right? Nobody should ever buy an electric car until your local government supports it with the amount of infrastructure they support oil drilling. And that's a, that's a call to arms for you. So, yeah, you can have your Tesla. It won't leave the drive because you won't be able to charge it. But, uh, wait, wait. As long as... Right, let's say the average Tesla gets 180 to 200 miles. Yep. I have a garage with a socket in it. Yep. Problem fixed. Problem solved. So it's your... So you have a semi-detached house, am I right? Yes. Cool. No, I have so a fine. detached house. you got a detached house. And Michael, yep. you have a detached house as well. Correct. Okay, cool. So that's fine, right? I, like uh, most people in cities... Uh, even though I don't live in a city, but this is city driving is where people really want electric cars, live in an apartment. And you cannot get a charger installed if you live in an apartment because the cable will not reach from your second story window down to your car in the car park because it's a tripping hazard and a health and safety hazard and the factoring company will just not allow it. So unless you are uh, an owner of a house that is detached or semi-detached or terraced, you can't charge it at home. And that's that sounds fine. 
but the problem is in the cities. That's where you want electric cars and everybody lives in apartments in electric cars and they don't even own them. So they're not even allowed to put the chargers in because they're not the owner of the property. But we don't the problem... own flats. So yeah, yeah. We, w this is actually the perfect car for us. Man, here come the NIMBY brigade again. Yeah, I was about to say, the question wasn't why does Lewis hate his flat? It was why did Michael <laughs> install all of their houses and buy a Tesla? <laughs> and sprinklers. Yeah. Well, cool. Anyway. You're all wrong. You should have got a Ferrari 458 and that's the end of it. Oh, anyway. no. That's so stereotypical. That's the whitest boy car ever. The, the only thing wrong with that car is that they've mounted the indicator switches on the steering wheel. So if you turn the wheel 180 degrees and then click the right indicator, the left indicator comes on. Oh, yeah. Italy. Um, okay, so here is my... Uh, my so why do you want that table. car for example? Yeah, that that's the car that's wrong. It's broken, so don't get it. It's it's not broken. You just have to you just have to do some. Men it's mental acrobatics. It's good for your health. Okay. Um, okay. it keeps you nimble. Of course. So my <laughs> my question for this week, um, which kind of relates a bit into Scott's question as well, um, what is a piece of media? And I'm gonna open that up to um, TV, film, book, or music that has legitimately changed your life. I don't mind answering first if you want, because I've thought of one. Um, so there is a book um, called Some, and it's by Philip Pullman. Um, is it by Philip Pullman or is it by David Eagleman? Crap, I should have researched this. It's by one of those, but the other definitely has a, uh, a, a blurb quote. Um, but I'll find out. I'm pretty sure it's Philip Pullman. Anyway, so Some is... Uh, it's not Philip Pullman. Is it David Eagleman? Some 40 Tales of the Afterlifes. By David Eagleman? Yeah. Crap. So David Eagleman wrote some, definitely. Um, <laughs> and it is 40 short stories, and they're only two to four pages long, but each of them supposes a different version of the afterlife. Um, now, I think the fake word that he made up was a possibilitist, which is that he doesn't approach it from a... Uh, theist standpoint. He doesn't approach it from an atheist standpoint. He approaches it from a, I'm genuinely curious and here's just a bunch of ideas standpoint. So none of them presuppose the existence or non-existence of any deity or deities um, in the afterlife or uh, any area they're in. But it is just full of little vignettes. So to give an example of a couple of them, um, one of them, the afterlife uh, puts you um, into a sequential order um, so basically you spend, uh, say for example, two and a half years of your life preparing food. So you will spend a solid two and a half hours preparing, uh, two and a half years preparing food in your life. You probably felt 18 minutes of excruciating pain. So you get all of that pain all at once for 18 minutes straight. You probably spent four hours looking through movie listings, being unable to decide what one you wanted to watch. So you will spend four straight hours doing movie listings. And the idea is that it makes you more self-aware of the things that you're doing and that whenever you're quote-unquote wasting time or not using it well, imagine if you had to do that consistently all at once. Uh, one of the other examples was that you go into the afterlife and you actually discover that life wasn't really a thing. It was all just a big stage show. And you peer around the corner of your house and you see not the back of your house, but like the plasterboard from a set. And that's whenever you're told, hey, that was great. You just had your turn and we're all actors and we just like gave you this great 90 year long performance. But you're one of us now and you have to play along. 
and then you have to play a part. Your cast is a role in somebody else's life. So they'll be like, hey, you're going to be that guy that they bought a bagel off of that they thought was snooty. And you're only going to get one line. It's going to be whenever they're 34. But you need to stand there and serve bagels until they come along. And then the idea is that that's meant to show that you're part of other people's lives and the roles you play are actually really important, even if you don't think so, because you might only have one exposure to somebody but you can make a massive impact on their life depending on what it is. And sometimes you're just a bit part, you know, in one person's life, you might play the bagel vendor, but in another, you might play their significant love interest. And it's just how different people affect different people's lives. But that book really stood with me because there's just so many like philosophically ripe concepts on like what life is and how life works and what you can do with it. That it's, it's just wonderful. And it like, it legitimately shapes how I think sometimes. Um, so if you've not read it, and if you can remember the name of the author, it's Some by David Eagleman. I 100% recommend it. It definitely uh, had a significant impact on my life. Um, it's a really good question, Lewis. I think for me, the bit of media that has probably affected me the most in life is probably going to be the Bible. Which, as you guys know, I'm a Christian and I won't deny that. And I think that the Bible is such a fascinating book that can be interpreted in so many different ways and yet for a book that's thousands of years old that it's still applicable in this day and age where we have internet and TV and electric cars and Teslas which are great cars and Ferraris which are rubbish cars because they can't indicate properly but I think from that perspective I think the the Bible plays such a big impact on my life. And even though I have gone through probably the same chapters at least probably 10 times with all of the sort of uh, personal reading I've done, church. Uh, yes, I used to go to Bible camps, so you can bash me for that later on. But every time that they have been reread, something different hits home about it or something just strikes a nerve in me or gets me thinking more or gets gets my faith going again as it were and I haven't found something like that ever so I think for me that's probably going to be the the thing that has changed my life and will continue to change my life going forward I don't think that will ever stop to be honest but I think the yeah. I think the one of the really impressive things about the bible is that it is one of the few things that you can get a massive amount of people to agree on. Like there's very few things in this world that you could go, yeah, like 30% of people agree on that, like in the same way, like people can have subtle variances of agreeance, like, Hey, what's the best car? What's the best food? But to have, and like, there are multiple different religions and there are different ways of following your religion, but to get so many people all behind the same thing all at once, like that's not a fluke. Like that kind of thing happens on purpose you know, and to, to work, like you say, in so many times, and in so many ways, in so many layers to reach so many people, despite the fact that sometimes it can be completely inaccessible and sometimes it can be massively accessible, like to reach such a gamut, like there's very few things could do that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's funny because, you know, when, when I think things are going well in my life, you know, things are maybe easy and I read the Bible or I go to church and I hear something it almost like hits a reset button. I'm like, actually, I shouldn't get comfortable. Um, and it really, it yeah, it really just 
makes me think about me as a person and what I should be doing um, and what what I should be doing for my faith essentially um, so I think it's an ever it'll be an everlasting book which I don't think is going away anytime soon but yeah Scott what's yours yeah Scott try and top the bible <laughs> yeah <laughs> sorry I should have gone last well t- to be fair the piece of media that, that I kind of changed my life technically was my Bible for about a year. Uh, it was actually a podcast. Uh, it was called Out of School and it was hosted by Fraser Spears, uh, who is just across the other coast uh, here in Scotland, in Greenock, uh, and also hosted by Bradley Chambers, who is in the States. Uh, and I got into that at the same time. Sorry, I've got I've got to have to say the fact that the two the two geographical points you gave were Greenock and the entire United States of America. <laughs> <laughs> They're really close. <laughs> well, he comes from uh, where is it? Is it uh, Chattanooga or something in the United States? Can't remember off the top of my head. I can actually remember his school, not the state he lives in, which is really bad. Um. Anyway, yeah. Uh, and at the time I was doing my dissertation and, you know, it was obviously about, you know, iPads and technology in the music classroom. And this was back, well, I want to say five years ago now. And I got told, oh, this is impossible. It'll never happen. And these two guys were doing it and in the moment. And it was just like a fountain of knowledge it, every week. Just, you know, these guys would go, this worked, this didn't work. And this is why we do it. And this is how we do it. And it was just, yeah, it just at one point I was close to just being like, no, I'm going to have a whole new, I was kind of halfway through my final year and I was like, I'm just going to rip up my dissertation and start again and do a whole new topic. Uh, and luckily my lecturer, who was my kind of dissertation support and these guys just, yeah, they they just kept going and through the podcast, I actually got to go and interview Fraser and, and speak to him and see what they were doing there. Um, and it was just, yeah, Again, just just life changing because it's it's now what I do for a living. Um, which from somebody who studied music to working computers all day, um, it's mind boggling. But again, because of that, it was just yeah. It again, I, I remember sitting five years ago sitting playing about with Apple Configurator because that was the way to deploy iPads, and now we can do it all wirelessly and remotely, and it's great. And we can have multiple accounts on an iPad, and it's just bizarre. Um, yeah, but depth though. Yeah, that's fine. I know how that works. It's easy. <laughs> Don't worry. It's just your organisation that can't sort that list. Don't worry. Give me a call. I'll help you. I actually might. We'll talk later. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, but yeah, so again, just, just at that moment in time, you know, I never thought that just listening to a podcast for 45 minutes a week would be such a a drive in my life, but also a complete U-turn to what I wanted to do. Um, but also still stay true to my course of, I just really want to help people. Um, and right now, I think we get to the point of where we just go, well, we need technology because it's the way things are going forward, but we don't think the why and the how we implement the technology. And ultimately, it all starts to backfire and things go wrong. Uh, and yeah, that was just, it, the show is now over, unfortunately. I think they got to around about 250 episodes. But if ever you want a history of technology in the classroom, it is a really, really good, in, in the modern classroom as well, it's a really good, uh, a really good show. Um, and again, it shows the globalization of such professions like teaching, where the kids uh, don't care about borders and don't care about religion and don't care about anything like that. The technology brings them together and they communicate through that way, um, which is a really other whole interesting topic that we can get onto. But um, but as for this question, yeah, that was just such a, a bit of media that really 
drove my whole career in life. Do you reckon anyone will ever listen to our podcast and it'll change their life? Uh, Gil might. <laughs> <laughs> cool. That's uh that's really cool answers. I like the I like the diverse range we got out of it there. That's pretty good. I got pretty deep at some points. Very, very personal. Um cool. Well, that just about wraps it up for uh, for this week's episode. Yeah, if you want a funny story though, um, so we obviously, as I was explaining earlier to you guys, uh, we went and bought a new car uh, over the weekend. Um, so on the Sunday we were in, um, we went in, we just. V- driving past and it caught our eye all fitted with a budget great and i'm, and I'm gonna i'm gonna say the same thing i said before which is that you're so middle class you drive past the car dealership spy a car go yep i'll have that so we were going to buy one in <laughs> july anyway we, we well not in july but after july we knew we were going to get a car we'd been saving for it we'd worked was that your budget. monthly car yeah <laughs> that was your july car yeah so uh so anyway sorry was, sorry like i say anyway so we were speaking to the guy for about an hour uh looking around the car he was like why don't you come back test drive it he was like i'll get it out of the yard great no problem at all we go back at three o'clock we test drive it fantastic yeah okay we want it we put down a deposit come back on the monday to collect it i go back in on the monday the first thing he goes you know what he was like i was thinking about you last night and i was like that's kind of odd but okay it was just that you really reminded me of someone and i was like don't don't i'll give you one guess who it was it's like is it yeah, I no, wonder what what like tech CEO who's a complete jack dick it? it could have been. Um, <laughs> <laughs> was it Scott Forstall? No, it wasn't. <laughs> yeah. All hail Zuck. President Zuck 2024, I'm calling it. So, uh, so yeah, so I say, funny you should say that. Here are my so-called friends. I opened up our iMessage yep. chat. <laughs> a info bin and just scroll through all the pictures of Mark Zuckerberg. <laughs> that is a dangerous game pressing the info button on our chat and showing yeah, it to a complete it's... stranger. Hence why I pressed the info button and not scroll through some of the texts, you know. <laughs> but yeah, so yeah. I I've I've just sitting there and wanted to cry as I received the keys to my new car because I was like, <laughs> the guys are gonna love this. That's incredible. So it it basically validates us that because uh, it was a it was a Vauxhall Insignia you got, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, it was. So uh, a British car brand owned that's by it. a German company incorporated in France. So that's three different countries all still agree that you look like Mark Zuckerberg. <laughs> that's incredible. Uh, so yeah, you can't. I was devastated. Devastating. <laughs> I, I wanted to kind of just say, you know, keep the car at that point because I was just gutted. 